the gospel. Most Sundays, we talk about the effects of the gospel in our life and how to walk out the gospel in our lives. We don't usually get to talk about just the gospel, like what the gospel is. So that's always a fun Sunday, I think. Because everything else comes out of that. We can talk all day about how to like be a good person. That can't change you. I don't have the power of life and death. You don't have the power of life and death. But through the, oh my word, no, 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 no. Through the gospel, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead comes and dwells within me. Oh my goodness. And then lives through me. Like I can actually rely upon the spirit of God. Man, I want to hear that sermon every day. Like tell me how to have the best life now. Try harder. That's Come on, what we settle for in place of the gospel. But it's only the gospel that can truly change us. Okay, so in this house, our mission is to equip people to be and to make disciples. Because when the gospel goes forward, not everybody receives it. Not everybody receives Jesus' words, right? But some do. The gospel comes alive in their heart, and they become disciples of Jesus, right? And a disciple is someone who's learning the character and the competencies of their master. They want to be like he is. They want to do what he did. And so Jesus said when he was going to the Father, he said, go and make disciples of every nation, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, into family, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and um, teach them everything I've commanded you. And so we believe that as a church, if we are not making disciples, we are failing, Because it's the one mission Jesus gave us. So we can get a lot of people in a room that is not making disciples. We can have really good coffee, which, by the way, the circuit got fixed. We can have coffee again. Thank you, Glantons. Coffee, right? That's awesome. It's great we can have coffee, but how many of you know? doesn't matter how good your coffee is. doesn't matter how good your singers are. None of that. Like, you can have the whole show, and you can have fog machines, and you can do all that stuff. Oh, see, he knows. It's okay, right? Started early. Thank you, Todd. You can have all that stuff, and you can get goosebumps every Sunday. And still be lost. And you can even be saved and yet be just hanging on to the bottom rung of the ladder. And then every Sunday comes, you get your goosebumps again, but no real transformation is happening in your life. Jesus described life in him as though we would have rivers of living water flowing out of us. That's what the gospel does. The word for gospel in the Greek is evangelion. That's the Greek word for gospel. And it means good, merry, glad, and joyful news that makes a man's heart glad and makes him leap for joy. Just asking an honest question. Have you met Christians that what is flowing out of them does not make you merry, glad, joyful, and want to leap for joy? Just being real. Something's wrong then. How many of you have had stretches, even those of you who know the Lord, right? You've made him Lord of your life. How many of you have stretches where you're like, man, that did not characterize my life. I was leaning on my own understanding, my own strength, my own. There was nothing joyful, glad, merry coming out of me. Encounters with me did not make men leap for joy. Come on. I'm not saying every day is giddy. I'm saying even when you're in sorrow, encounters with a believer who is saturated in the spirit makes men leap for joy. Even in grief. Many of you have had experiences where you're going through tough stuff and people around you are like, man, it's amazing what's happening. And like, they can't believe, like, how is this coming out of you when this is what you're walking through? It's because you are saturated in his presence. Colossians 1. Paul says, We pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power. 
<laughs> so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who has purchased our freedom and forgiven our sins. That is good news. That is good news. And why is it good news? It's only good news if you understand your condition. Right? When you get that you are broken and lost, <laughs> it's good news. When you get, yeah, the kingdom I'm living in is darkness. It's good news to know there's a kingdom of light you can be transferred to. Not by trying a lot in many years, but right now in this moment. You can go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It is good news to know that someone has purchased your freedom and forgiven your sins. We have, for the past 60 years, been in a cultural experiment in the West. And that experiment, which has failed, we know just sociologically, scientifically we know now the experiment has failed. But the experiment was, hey, if people had better self-esteem, there'd be less crime. We would treat each other better if we all just had really good self-esteem. And guess what we have found? People who commit crimes don't commit them because they think so lowly of themselves. They commit crimes because they think too much of themselves. I deserve what you have. I deserve to violate you. I deserve, right? The problem wasn't a self-esteem problem or an elevation of oneself problem. The science is in. Even people who aren't believers, can see, the science is in. People are still peddling it, but it is very, very clear now that self-esteem is not our number one problem. <laughs> and so we keep telling people, you're good enough, you're good enough, like people are miserable, you're good enough, you're good enough, you're good. You know what? The problem is we're not. <laughs> like that is the problem. Do you know why you feel so broken and alone? Because in the beginning, we were made by a good God. And he gave us a choice, relationship to him, or we could be Lord. We'll know good and evil, just like God does. We can make our own rules. We can do our own thing. And we chose to be Lord. And it broke everything around us. Every relationship, relationship to God, it all got broken. There is nothing that didn't get broken in the fall. It all got broken. And so now we spend all this time telling ourselves, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and everyone likes you. And when deep down inside, we know things are broken. We know we've done wrong. And only when we allow ourselves to truly understand that that is the case, does his rescue sound like good news. And the fact is, everyone knows it. Even people who reject the gospel read the books they write, watch the movies they put out. As our culture has become less and less Christian, right? Look at the media. This is a fun experiment. Watch movies from the 90s and then watch the newest movies coming out. Like in the 80s and 90s, there was like heroes and villains and like there was good and there was evil and there was like... There's a darkness about media now. And I don't just mean because of simple things. I mean, there's like a, it's like a hopelessness. Even love stories are like, I don't know. You watch the love stories, it's like, I remember like, um, what's the one, the, the um, he falls on the tracks and the, while you were sleeping, like, right? I remember these. Even the love stories now are really like dark and morose. Very European. <laughs> so we can try to pretend it's not true, but in fact, in our hearts, we know it's true. And even for those who reject the gospel, read the books they're writing, watch the movies they're putting out. They know it's broken. You can't help it. 
but every song is about him. Every book is about him. He's there in it, even if he's the unnamed thing. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who will rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. That's good news. Look around you, what's broken? What's broken? By the blood of Christ, he has the power to reconcile all things to himself, to make all things new. Anything that will submit to him, he can make new. Any relationship that will submit to him, he will make new. Any person who will submit to him, he will make new. He has the authority because of his work on the cross to make all things new everywhere around you. And we carry this message. We carry this good news. He made peace with everything in heaven on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That is good news. Here's the problem. We want to say, I don't need Jesus to feel holy and blameless and without faults. I'm good enough. I'm strong enough. And doggone it, people like me, right? We, we want this without submitting to his lordship. We want, we want to believe this is true, that we can be without a fault, that we can be made right, that we can have right standing, that we can be empowered, right? But the, so we long for what he has done. We long to be made right. We long to be enough in his sight. But that only happens through the blood of Christ. No amount of self-help can give you what he purchased. It cannot happen. And in fact, it'll just make you kind of weird. Come on! But we long for it. We long for it. And we know there's a brokenness. Think about in your own life. Think about in your own life when you've had a conflict with someone. Think about some of the worst conflicts you've had that have ended up good in the end. What happened in those conflicts that ended up good? you probably each recognize something about yourself that was broken you were bringing to the table. And you were able to, maybe there was something you're trying to be like, that's not me, and you argue, 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 until you finally say, you know what? Maybe I am being a jerk. <laughs> and in that moment, when you admit something terrible about yourself, and the other person says, we just needed truth, I love you. And you realize they have seen the worst in you and haven't left. That's the best feeling in the world. The best feeling is in the world isn't pretending that everything's okay. It's being able to say what's actually true and being accepted. That's the best thing in the world. And what happens? We recognize the state we're in, and in the state we're in, what happens? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe upon him would not perish but have eternal life. So in my treason, in my brokenness, in my rebellion, I was so loved. 
I wasn't rejected in it. I was loved and I was sought after and I was purchased if I'll just receive it. That's good news. That's good news. Romans 5, 6 through 11. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. I am a Spartacus. I mean, maybe a really good person, somebody might be willing to say I'm Spartacus, but in general, we're not willing to die for each other in general, right? But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you were in that ugly conflict and you finally said, yeah, it's true. I did do that. Yeah, it's true. I am that. Yeah, it's true. That's how I behaved. And someone stayed. That is the small picture of what we just read. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? This is a big deal. <laughs> this is a big deal. It says if he will do that while you're still a sinner, he will save you. How much more now will you be saved from his wrath now that you believe? This is crucial because I think most of us can agree. I know some of you will be seekers in the room. You're not sure what you think about Jesus yet. But for those of us who decided we believe, for most of us who believe, we believe the good news. Yeah, I was a sinner. I was saved. But what is he saying now? If he could save you, how much more now can he save you from God's wrath because you believe? This is crucial because we may not have a problem preaching the good news and then someone gets saved and we're like, well, now you better be careful. Now you better, right? Somehow the good news turns into work really hard, strive, perform. So you can continue to be accepted by God. The good news doesn't turn into bad news. <laughs> it shouldn't. The good news that found you and saved you becomes even better news once you're saved. If he could save me in that state, now that I am saved, how much more can he save me from the wrath of God? The wrath of God has been consumed on Christ. If I am in Christ, he has consumed the wrath of God for me. Think about that. There's all this work that Jesus does on the cross, right? He saves us from hell, right? We have an eternal soul, destined for hell because we're born to sin. So he forgives our sins. Okay, great, we don't have to go to hell. But it's a whole different thing he pays for to save us from the wrath of God. Right? Because, think about this. If you, uh, let me think of a good one. Okay, Becky. Becky Clanton kills Rennell's dog. <laughs> now, if you're Rennell's Facebook friend, it was a hit and run. If you're Rennell's friend, you know this is a really big deal. <laughs> right? Now, Becky has to go to jail <laughs> for a year. Hit and run. She pays the price. She gets out of jail, right? So the punishment's been paid for now. But it doesn't mean that Renell necessarily wants to have her over for dinner. <laughs> now, because it's you guys, I know you've forgiven all that, but let's just pretend these are unbelievers right now, right? She might have paid the price for the sin. It doesn't mean she wants to be her best friend. You know what I'm saying? So Jesus pays the price for us to be forgiven of our sins, but he doesn't stop there. He then consumes the wrath of God for us so that we can be brought near as sons and daughters. He didn't have to do that. 
That's like a whole separate thing he does on the cross. He bears our sins and consumes the wrath of God upon himself. Because somebody might pay for their crime, you still might really dislike that person. For the sin they've done against you. But the wrath of God is consumed on Christ. And so the good news isn't just that he'll save you. The good news is that his wrath has been consumed on Christ. And if you are in Christ, you have right standing with God. And you don't have right standing because you did so good. You have right standing because of Jesus. So as long as Jesus is in right standing, you are in right standing. It is good news. Since we have now been justified by his blood. How are you justified? By his blood. Since we have now been justified from working really hard and trying really hard and being really afraid that he might. Come on. And since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? He's not just saving from death, us from death. He is saving us into life. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I wasn't just saved from hell. I have been reconciled to God and reconciled to God, not just as an image bearer, somebody made in his image. I've been reconciled to God as a son and as a daughter. Christ is the firstborn of all creation. And we come after him and enter into what he did. I, it cannot get better than that. It cannot get better than that. That is so good. How much do you think God loves Jesus? How much do you think the Father is willing to partner with Jesus in healing the sick and raising the dead? How much he is the firstborn of creation and now we are with him? I don't know. It cannot get better. Um, Friedrich Nietzsche, who is not a good guide for life, <laughs> but clearly one of the most important philosophers of the last century, right? Um, he, a lot of his writings revolve around this idea of are you good or are you afraid? Are you good or are you afraid? Meaning maybe you're just good because enough social constraints have been put on you that you're afraid of what people think or what will happen if you did what you really want to do. Are you good or are you afraid? When you live the Christian life afraid, and I don't mean like the fear of God in terms of holy reverence and absolutely, but I'm talking about something different when you're living and striving in performance mode and you're right with God because you did good today. You know what I'm saying? When you're living in that place, honestly, you might even not do the really terrible things, although you still might sneak some. There are plenty of fallen ministers in the news that can attest to that. You might do the right thing, but unless you are living in this saturated relationship with God, Right? Where you know you've been made right. You're a son, you're a daughter. Chances are you're doing the right thing, but for all the wrong reasons. When you accept what Christ has done for you, and you take your position, he is Lord, I am a son, I am a daughter. When you take your position in that, guess what? You do what's right because you love him. Not because you're afraid of him. And if you're doing what's right because you're afraid, then I have some good news for you today. There's like a whole level of Jesus you can enter into today. If you do what's right because you're afraid and not because you love, then you might be holy on the outside, but I guarantee you there will be no rivers of living water 
And people around you will probably be like, oh, that's a Christian? Ugh. We um, had some dealings the past few weeks with a family, my husband and I, and um, I thought for sure um, they weren't believers, you know? So I was thinking maybe there'll be a chance to share the gospel. And then we came to find out, like, he went to a Bible college and the parents, like... And we got a card from them, and it was like blessings and like all this Christian language. And I was like, oh, man. I don't feel any good news. <laughs> I don't feel any good news. Like, very, like there's a rigidness and a, I don't know. But the whole time I was thinking like, we got to share the gospel with them. And it turns out like they don't want the gospel from us. They know everything. Okay. That's awesome. What in the world? Come on. Are you good or are you afraid? When you love God, when you respond to him and you love him, what's happening outwardly will change. You know, throughout the New Testament, you'll read letters from Paul and he'll say, listen, if you're living in this way and that way, and there's like lists of sins, he's like, then you maybe haven't met him. Life in the spirit looks like this. Life in the flesh looks like this. If you're living like this, you probably haven't met him. So let me, let me be, be very clear. I'm not saying our lives are just full of sin and we're just kind of like, whatever, he just loves us so much and whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when you get this, when you let the gospel permeate your life, it changes you from the inside out. And what I'm saying is for a lot of believers, they're trying to change from the outside in. And it's never going to work that way. You've got to accept the gospel deep down inside. Bow low and allow him to be Lord of everything and then watch him transform it all. Oh, we're going to run out of time. I'm on page two of six, so listen, I've got to skip some. Because here's the deal. <clears throat> Why you've got to let it permeate so deeply your bitterness, you can't fix it. Your rage, you're not going to fix it. Your lust problem, you can't fix it. The sin and brokenness and pain that's been following you around, you don't possess the power to fix it. I can't resurrect anything. You can't resurrect anything. You can't bring life to it. Only he can. So to allow him to save you from hell and then try on your own to do all the rest, you can't fix it. You can't do it. You have to, here's how you get saved. You get saved by surrendering. Here's how you live in Christ once you're saved, surrendering. <laughs> you find yourself in a moment and there's brokenness in you coming out, what do you do in that moment? Humble yourself and surrender. God, we just discovered an area where you're clearly not Lord. I surrender to you. We stop making excuses for it. We stop trying to convince everyone around us it's not true. <laughs> we stop trying harder to fix it while we keep up a wall of self-defense. Instead, we let all the defenses down and say, you come and do whatever you want to do. I'll admit to anything I need to admit to. <laughs> I'll, I'm willing to look at any ugly you want to put in front of me. Submission to him is where the power of life and death come from. The power of resurrection come from. That's good news. That's news that should make you leap for joy if you've been under a whole bunch of burden of striving and performance. And here's the good news. When we submit, we're submitting to the power that's at work in us. There is a power once you get saved. And how do you get saved? You submit to his lordship. You come to a point of believing. I believe Jesus. I believe he died and rose again for me. And then you submit to him. You can believe and not be saved. People have been in church for decades believing and not being saved. They just join a new tribe. Like, These are pretty nice people and I'll start doing better things. I'll stop speeding. <laughs> Whatevs. <laughs> they've just joined a new tribe but they haven't been transformed but the minute you say not my will but your will be done I believe and now it's your way not my way 
I repent. Repentance means literally to change your mind. I was heading in this direction, thinking in this direction, and at this point I say I repent, and now your way. Your way, which starts here and comes out, right? Now your way, not my way. At that moment of surrendering to his lordship, it's as the spirit of Christ comes to dwell within you. And now there is a power within you that you submit to, that you surrender to and say, your way, not my way. What's broken around you? What's broken in you? What's broken in relationships? God, we submit that to you. What's your way? I'm not going to do it the fallen world way anymore. So when your coworker is talking smack about you, guess what? You don't respond in kind. There are spiritual realities at play. Your marriage is a mess. There are spiritual realities at play. So you can keep in the flesh fighting at this level, or you can say, Jesus, your way, your way. And then he brings healing to the root problems that are producing all these issues. Okay, Ephesians 1, 2 Corinthians 5, Galatians 6. Okay, I'll just do Galatians 6. But you can do Ephesians 1 and 2 Corinthians 5 on your own. Okay, Galatians 6. May I never boast in anything except in the cross of Jesus Christ our Lord, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Come on. That's good. Okay, maybe we'll just do Corinthians. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 16. So we've stopped evaluating ourselves from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, a new creation. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. Striving in performance says, here's who I am, I'm broken. And little by little, I'm going to get better and better and better. That is not what the Bible tells us. The moment you make Christ Lord, was it say, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. There might be old ways of thinking you go back to. There might be old habits you go back to, right? But God wants to break those things and free us from those things. We don't, we don't have to go back to one of them. You don't ever have to sin again. I don't ever have to sin again. Now, 1 John says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Who's John writing to? He's writing to believers. Because right after that, he says, dear brothers, I write this to you, not that you'll sin, but if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father who is Jesus Christ. So I'm not trying to say like, clearly, if we fall down, we call out to him and there's forgiveness, but we need to change our mindset and say, I don't need to fall down again. I don't need to sin again. It's not like, well, everyone's got their thing. We can live holy before him. And when we find an area of brokenness or sin, what do we do? We throw ourselves in his mercy. We confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us. Not just forgive us of our sins, but also cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is he doing? He's not just forgiving the act. What is he doing? And now the thinking and all that goes into that, the habit, the whatever is drawing you back there, I'll cleanse you from it. I will cleanse it because you never have to go back there again. Come on. That is such good news. It's such good news. And all of this is because you worked really, 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 really hard. God will do this for you if you work super, super. No, verse 18, and all of this is a Gift from God. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. 
For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering of our sin so that we could be made right in God through Christ. So good. So the good news came and apprehended us. And now what happens? Now Jesus says, come on, partner with me. And now as though Christ is pleading through us, we reconcile people to him. Go into all the world and make disciples, right? Equipping people to be and make disciples. God is making his appeal through you. Do not worry about whether or not you have the right words, if you're sophisticated enough, if, they have, if you haven't read enough books about that particular thing they have questions about. I'm telling you, the anointing of God breaks through all of that. When you just trust him to show up, I'm just telling walls fall down. You don't have to have the prettiest language how many of you have had times where you, be, you feel like this is a moment where God is reaching out to someone through you and you start talking, you're like, I sound really stupid, I sound really dumb, I sound really, really stupid. Okay, most of us in this room. But all of a sudden you're like, but God's presence is there and the person is like, Whew. and you're like, that totally wasn't me because I just sounded like an idiot. But it's like, God's like, just get out of my way. I just want to, I just want to reach this person through you. Get out of your own head. You're not the center of the universe, right? All this self-esteem stuff. I'm the center, right? We, I need to have more words. No. It's not going to happen through how good I am anyway. He's going to come and to speak to people. <laughs> and he can do it in a sentence. He's so good. He is reconciling people through us. This is the gospel that you and that I have been made right in God's sight, not by our efforts, not by our works, and not by our skill, not because we do or don't do that. We are justified by the cross of Christ alone. In this moment, if you are a believer, I don't know what happened this morning. I don't know what happened yesterday. I don't know what happened last night. But if you are a believer in this room, you are justified. Justified. So when the father looks at Becky today, he sees no sin in her. She's covered in the righteousness of Christ. Even if she hit and run. <laughs> that poor dog. Paul is right in God's sight. Doesn't matter what happened this morning. He's right in God's sight. We don't want to accept that. But wait, wait a minute. I yelled at my kids this morning. We're moving. Mea culpa. Come on. <laughs> and we didn't even yell, but I'm just saying. I yelled at my kids. We, come, we have a bad morning. We come to worship and we feel unworthy to worship. It's because the center of our universe is on the wrong person. When you come in these doors, he's always worthy of your worship, no matter how you came in. Right? And then in that presence, we get healed up, and we're like, oh, I got to go make that right, right? And we, we do the Jesus stuff, but empowered by him. This is such good news because you can't fix you, and I can't fix me. Only Jesus and his resurrection power can come and make anything new. This is why we boast in the cross of Christ. We read it earlier. Paul says, I won't boast in anything but the cross of Christ. This is why we boast in the cross of Christ. That's why we glory in the cross. That's why we boast only in the cross. That's why we worship. That's why our lives are poured out to make him known. That's why people go to the Arabian Peninsula. That's why they go to China. That's why they go to Iraq. We've got some missionaries right now we're supporting in Iraq. They're in Basra. They don't know any believers in the city. And there, I don't know if you've seen, there's tons of protests because of the electricity issue over there. Um, they have four small kids. Their youngest is nine months old. Their oldest is seven. 
Why are they in Basra? Because deep down inside, this has taken hold of them. I live to make him known. You want joy in your life? Live to bring glory to Jesus. When you are being, bringing glory to Jesus, it's the fullest experience you can have. We try to fill it with all kinds of stuff, with all kinds of strange fire. If you've ever led someone to Jesus, there's not, I mean, there is no high. When someone actually gets the gospel and you get to pray with them, how many of you can attest? It is like, there is no high better than that. You get to baptize somebody. You Come on, I, there's no better high than that. You're in a situation you think is so far gone and the presence of God comes and fills that room and there's reconciliation and resentments that are decades old fall away and there's new life. He just brought resurrection life into that situation. There's nothing like it. One of my favorite, and I'll end with this, one of my favorite, oh, there's so much more I want to do today. Um, one of my favorite, favorite stories from this house is a couple who is, I mean, in dire straits. They end up, their marriage was, really, they've been living together as roommates for a long time. They had kids, still at home, and, you know, so they stayed together for that. Um, and she, he was a, he was a bit of a cad. I'm trying to think about how to describe it. He's a bit of a cad. Um, and she was very, like, righteous, like, religious righteous. You know what I'm saying? So they were two extremes, and um, things blew up over a weekend, and she ended up in jail. And because it was like a Friday night, she had to wait till Monday. And she's the righteous rule keeper. She's sitting in a jail cell because she, all that resentment and anger finally exploded. And it was a bad deal. So she's sitting in a jail cell. Her first six hours were what she's going to do when she gets out because he has done this to her. It's only because of him I've been so angry. And so all this, right, all that, she's processing all that initially, but she's got to sit there until Monday. So by the time Saturday morning comes around, she's humbled. And all this, right, all this stuff has melted. She had reasons to be mad. I'm not saying she didn't. She totally did. But all that's melted, and she felt desperate. I've never been in jail. By, I don't know, one hour in, I'd start feeling desperate, I think. By Saturday, she started feeling the desperation of being alone, but she wasn't alone. She was alone, but she was in a jail full, it was a cell full of people that scared her. By Saturday, she's feeling that I'm alone, all alone in this world, and she just starts getting, she gets down to where all those self-defenses and all that stuff and all the resentments can finally fall away, and she gets humble and starts to cry out to God. Well, his presence comes and fills that jail cell. In the meantime, her husband's on the phone with me the entire weekend. And um, <laughs> anyway, Monday they end up in our living room. And I mean, it was like, I don't know. It was the most miraculous thing. Like what God over the weekend had done in his heart and what God had done in her heart. And they were ready to have honest conversation. And it all came out. And I mean, there was ugly stuff. There was ugly stuff they didn't even know about. I mean, everything came out, but it came out in this place where they were so humble before God. It's like the sin and the, the, the anger could have roused, couldn't even do it. The presence of God had so fully filled them up. And I'm telling you, what happened next was crazy. So they're like, we're ready. We're ready to, like, I mean, there was reconciliation. It happened over like a period of three days. Years this had built up. So thoroughly had forgiveness taken root so thoroughly had God done a work that um you know in that in one of our sessions the guy said well um this there was another woman involved at one point um I feel bad because we can't just leave her high and dry and I was like you're never going to call her again like what are you talking about that's done <laughs> you're not that's finished the wife said maybe I could go to her and I could share Jill my word, and I could tell her about Jesus and what she's done, and she could have this with her husband. Come on! So, in the end, they decided to go together and share the gospel with her. And then the guy involved said, listen, I'm not going to, she got saved. He's like, listen, I'm not going to be involved anymore. 
now you're going to talk with my wife. And she, the wife ended up discipling this woman, being with her when she got baptized. Like, Jesus can do anything. He, when you just finally get surrendered and say, all my flesh, my resentments, my offense, when you finally say, you know what, I'm just dying to all of it. I've been crucified to the world. It's been crucified. To, I am dead to all of it. Jesus, just whatever you want to do, he can do anything. A few years ago, the couple shared here in the pulpit. It was powerful just because even if that's not your situation, whatever your situation is, you think if Jesus can do that, he can do this. <laughs> whatever I'm carrying, if he can do that, that's how powerful the gospel is that the world has been reconciled to anything that will submit to him can be reconciled because of his work on the cross. Would you stand? He's so good. He's so good. We can't even exaggerate it. He's so, so, so good. If you're visiting with us today, here's what happens next. There's folks who are going to come up here and on this other side, and there's folks who will be in back over there and in back over there, and they're ready to pray for people. So if you've come in this room and you're sick in body, you need prayer, you can get prayer. If there's a need you came in today and you want someone to pray with you, they can pray with you. But listen, if you're in this room and you know you are far from God, I care most about what's happening to you right now. If you are far from God and need to be reconciled to him, it might be sin that has separated you from God. It might have been your goodness that has separated you from God. <laughs> Whatever has kept you from feeling like you need to submit to God, repent today and be reconciled to God. Turn to him. And so if you're here today and you know you need to be reconciled to God, don't wait one more day. Don't say, you know what? I feel God's stirring me up and so I'm going to be better. I'm going to leave this place and do better. No, that's the opposite of the gospel. If he's stirring you up today, submit to him. Surrender to him. Repent and turn to him. Cry out to him. Today's the day of salvation. So whatever needs you have, maybe that's you. You need to be reconciled to God. Maybe you're sick in body. Maybe you have other needs. You need prayer. You can come and get prayer. Here's the other thing. We believe that every believer has the kingdom without measure. And God's ability to work through somebody has everything to do with Jesus' worthiness and not their worthiness. So any believer in this room can pray with you to be healed, to be saved. So maybe it's easier for you to turn to someone next to you and say, hey, would you pray for me? But we need to do business with God. Maybe you realize I've been striving. I believe, I know he's Lord, I've been striving. I need to learn how to surrender and rest in him and allow him to do the work. Would you take just a minute and would you ask the person next to you, hey, do you need prayer? I'll go up with you or I'll pray with you. Just take a minute, just the person next to you. As you respond in worship, we're going to worship a little bit now so we can respond to the word. Person next to you, hey, do you need prayer for anything? I'll pray for you or I'll go up and get prayer with you. Just take a minute. Now we're going to respond in worship. If you change your mind and you want prayer, come and get it. If you change your mind and want someone to go with you, say, you know what, maybe I'll take you up on that. But let's take some time to respond to him, amen? As we're worshiping, God might stir some things up in you and you want to get prayer. Let's take some time. Let's respond to him, amen? Amen. Hearts and minds
good. There's still time to get prayer if you need prayer. There's folks still ready to pray. Believers near you can pray too. When it's time to go, when you're ready to go, would you not go until you've encouraged at least one person? Encouragement is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Encouraged people are willing to reach out for God, right? Our ability to even reach out to Him starts with the hope He plants in our hearts. Would you encourage somebody today before you go, hug somebody, meet somebody you don't know? If you want to help us move, my husband's right here. Could use a few more hands. <laughs> but would you minister to each other before you go? He's so good. Let his goodness leak out on other people. Would you pray with me? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I will 